so the great reset a lot of people heard about it and reacted in an emotional way typically hurling abuse and anger and fear at the group of people that that were pushing it they created this slogan the great reset created a whole bunch of adverts and slides and information about what they actually mean they're talking about a time at which certain things are going to be commonplace like you're not going to own anything and I think the reason why people were fearful and angry is because they think that the people that are talking about it are the people that are going to make it happen they're going to make those things a reality I think it's a different perspective and it's one that has become more um, more likely for me it's not that these people are necessarily doing anything they're not going to force you to do anything because if they were they would have already done it and they would have told you after the fact so that's one thing but I think what they're trying to describe is how things are changing that for whatever reason details that they don't give you is that things are going to change and that's that's probably the main point to take as opposed to taking away the specifics that they're talking about that you're not going to own anything you should take the the fact that they're saying that things are going to change drastically because right now you're able to own a house and a car and all that stuff right but what if they're saying that you won't own anything new and these people are all about industrial revolution and industry helping industry become more efficient so how would they do that by creating less and recycling more i.e. when you're finished with a product you send it back to the company for them to reuse so it's more like a subscription type service than a, a right payment to own something And that could be because that could just simply be because there's no facilities to mass produce things anymore. Everything's mass produced in China. Speaking about electronics predominantly in that sense, obviously there's other countries that manufacture in, in mass quantity, but for the most part, China is 
is where most things originate. So, if you look at things in a different way, as opposed to how they're feeding it to you, literally. They're saying you're not going to own anything. They're implying that they're the reason you're not going to own it. I think if you observe the things that are going on around you, you'll see that there's a lot of things that are natural that are not... You know, they've not been induced by anyone. I know that might be might be difficult to understand because I think it's a perception that most disaster type things that happen are somehow induced whether it's through engineering of the skies or the weather that there's some part being played in that Maybe to a degree, but you can't observe that. The things that you see going on in the sky, you can't, can't observe or verify those things. Now, to a degree, during the summer last year, I managed to verify, not verify, I managed to observe something and determine what the likely what the likely cause was. So it was the dead of summer uh, during the middle of the day on the top of a hill, very warm. As soon as this haze passed over, which I knew was in cloud because of the way it was reflecting, uh, it was casting shadows up into the sky so I knew it was some kind of is a reflector I found out that some of the things they use to reflect sunlight is alumina oxide which does just as I described reflect sunlight back up and you could noticeably feel a difference in temperature. <laughs> or I did feel a noticeable difference in temperature. It was cold. Because the... Energy from the sun was being reflected back up. I saw this so many times over the summer. So many times with these types of clouds. Now, were that alumina oxide originated? I guess you'd assume it's got to be... It's got to be man-made, it's got to be sprayed and stuff. I guess so, but... It could be... Could be a product of... Uh, volcanic eruptions, because... There's been a lot of volcanic activity over the last... I guess it's picked up a lot more in the last year.
I definitely, yeah, definitely noticed a lot more dust. So that's translated as, uh, like, how would you like symptoms, like, very itchy eyes. Yeah, so I, th I think it would be... You can't really jump to the conclusion that it was man-made, human-induced type stuff, when there's so much other activity going on. That it could be something that is produced through volcanism. So that's, that's the effect of volcanoes is cooling all those gases and dust that they kick up is creates a cooling effect which is what I felt locally in that on that so anyway so so the Great Reset. So did they mention about volcanic eruptions or earthquakes? Or any kind of change in in the local climate in some places where it may get cooler. In some places it may get warmer. Or may get maybe warm. So if you think about the climate climate is local there are many climates so climate change is something that happens it's seasonal happens in every every place that has a climate I think I remember rightly it was like there's seven seven climates they run horizontally don't quote me on that, it's been a while since I looked at that. So there isn't just one, as is kind of being perceived in the media, you know, that there's only one, that climate change is one thing. Whereas in reality, you can go to many different places and you can experience a different climate. because of the conditions in which in which they're positioned so they're in a different latitude different longitude different conditions around in the area hilly or not mountainous or not flat coastal they all have an effect locally on the climate if there's a water source or mountains there may be more rainfall if it's flat and arid it may be more prone to wind Yeah, maybe. So maybe most of the things 
that those groups are saying about the Great Reset. That they're saying it for the fear factor to make people angry. Because if you wanted to have, I don't know, an honest conversation with people about things that you thought were coming, changes that you thought were going to happen, you wouldn't do it in a way that was going to induce fear. Maybe, maybe that's why some of the videos were taken down. Some of the videos talking about you owning nothing. <laughs> I just find it funny that 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 would be considered a good marketing strategy. Um, yeah, so you got some, you got things like that, and it just seems like seems a bit unrealistic. seems a bit unrealistic that somebody would release that intentionally trying to trying to garner support for something because they don't really give you anything to to support there's no there's no cause being presented all that's being presented are these almost dystopian type dystopian type realities because that's what they're saying is this is it this is what you're going to have you're going to eat type of food etc etc It could also be confusing to some people, right? Because people are not so... If they don't question things, they may be a bit confused as to why... why they're being told those things. Why they're going to eat certain things. Why they're going to never own anything anymore. I think it really, I think it probably is quite, quite a simple answer to it, that things are changing, and that if you know that things are changing, you can hint at the direction in which it might go, and hope that people will subscribe to that idea, even if people people in general don't providing businesses do then people have no choice I mean this idea of a subscription model let's assume things remain as they are I can't really see manufacturers going for it so much because The number of people I see that have cracked screens or sort of really like really bad 
like phones are in really bad condition. I can't see. I can't see it being uh, economical if you're having to replace the entire shell of a phone because people don't know how to look after them. But I think to a degree there's already a subscription model in place for some things, right? Cars, you can get a lease. There are car clubs you can subscribe to and you can rent a car from like for one hour to a few days. But quite a few of them. Through London you just tap a card on on the windscreen and then the car moves, uh, sorry, <laughs> the car opens, and then you can drive it away. So, things are kind of there, but the saying is gonna get maybe more obvious. I think any time you talk about change, people are going to be scared. A lot of people become happy or fixed in what, what they've got and what they do. So they don't necessarily want things to change. But I think that's the thing that probably most people should understand things do change, things will change and it is going to happen regardless of whether people want it to or not it's not going to be something that people are necessarily going to invoke as a change, right? It's going to be something that's going to happen but in the, the way in which it happens could be shaped by people because you can direct people to buy into certain ideas to certain things but it doesn't mean that they're creating the, the conditions or the situation for that to happen all they're doing is taking advantage of those conditions in order to sell something sell a product, sell a service For example, if you look back through certain types of data, you can see patterns emerge in correlation to other things, other events, which is, you know, that's the natural, it's a natural thing that's going to happen, right? There's going to be certain things that happen around about the same time because those things are done by people you know like if people are working if people have got money to spend then the economy is going to be doing well right whereas if the latter is true if people are not working there's going to be less money flowing through the economy 
and so that's going to mean that some companies may not make a loss uh, sorry may not make a profit and they may make a loss so the things that people do have a direct and proportional impact on the bigger things the economy the stock of a company profitability of a company and there's an interesting thing that yesterday is quite a it's quite strange that yesterday I was looking at Forex foreign exchange I was looking at currency pairs specifically uh, the British pound against the US dollar and looking at comparative pairs as well so the pound and the Japanese yen or the China renminbi RMB CNY there's so many names for the same same currency um, and what was the other one I think they were main three because they're the main uh, say they're the main components the the euro is kind of a little bit flat But if you look at look at yesterday in particular, the pound was weakest against the dollar in how many years was it? I think it's about nine years. So it hit hit a new low in comparison to the previous high. But in contrast, so this was after I'd been looking at these currency pairs and looking at the history of them since the earliest data I could really find was about 1970, 1971. That is the earliest information I could find available. So from from that date, from 1971, all those currencies had been in a downward trend. Specifically the, uh, I guess more, prominently was the was the pound that's been in a it's in the downward pattern ever since and everything is subject to ebbs and flows but there's like an overarching pattern that you shouldn't really ignore trading whether it's stock or forex but it all depends on depends on the time frame that you're trading in if you're trading in the very short term like a day you're probably not going to be considered about the overall trend you might be more concerned about the 
the diary of the monthly. that's going to tell you which way you should trade it whether you should be going buying or selling so let me just go back on track so it's just a bit of a a weird walk right so so yesterday you've got the pound being weakest against the dollar weakest it's been since I think it's 2014 And then at the end of the day, I went to look at the, the indexes, the, um, so you got the FTSE 100 companies, which are the top 100, I think it's, I think it's top 100 by market cap, it's basically by how much these companies are worth. So they're put into an index together and then that tracks how those companies are doing so yesterday that hit I think it was an all time high 7900 points or something so I remember seeing that and thinking that it was a bit of a was a bit strange that the pound was at its lowest level against the dollar in so many years and then the FTSE 100 hits an all-time high wonder if it's been maybe about the same amount of time since the FTSE 100 hit that peak before I think it was around 7,800 the last time. So anyway, it doesn't really matter, but those two points are kind of in direct contrast because one is saying that the pound is cheap Another saying that the value of the main hundred companies in the comp in the in the economy of the UK are worth more than they've ever been. Does that mean that they're holding a lot of US dollars? I mean within those hundred you've got things like media companies pharmaceuticals so I mean it should be no surprise that they are kind of propping up 
that side of the economy. So you've got you got two really I just find I find it strange that that there's no there's no parity because there should <laughs> there should be parity between economic output and value of the currency because it's going to make it's going to make exports relatively cheap If you've got your dollars, it's giving you more pounds. If you've got British pounds, it's giving you less US dollars. So if you were going on holiday to the States, you may find you get less. Less than you would have maybe nine years ago. But these things happen. You have swings in markets and in foreign exchange. Those swings happen because of general consensus, because people are doing things within those, within those components. So within foreign exchange, They may be favouring the dollar over the pound, so they're exchanging the pounds for dollars. <laughs> or the other way around. Dollars for pounds. And people buying into those big 100 companies which is going to give them a boost in profitability because they're going to have more shareholder funds available to do what they need to do but comparatively if you look at the stories about the economy doesn't quite make sense it doesn't it doesn't add up because yesterday there would have been let's say if things ran as normal there would have been two or there would have been a clear contradiction cost of living crisis FTSE 100 hits an all time high <laughs> how does that make sense one of them is not true or one of them is not entirely literal 
And considering the cost of living crisis is more of a buzzword, it's more of a marketing term. You can only really conclude that that was to, I don't know, get people to spend money or something. You know, after saying that shit, things are going to increase in cost. All these costs are increasing for the manufacturers and the suppliers. And then, and then you see the 100 index hitting an all-time high. It'd be a little bit difficult to still maintain that story. To say that companies and people are being affected by this crisis well not those 100 companies obviously because how would they have amassed such a increase in market cap how would they become more valuable in <laughs> in what they're describing as a recession but then they didn't describe it as a recession because data came out about the world cup and people spent enough money that yeah we're not in a recession so it's all frivolous it's all uh, it's all stories whether they've got any weight or not you can see the contradictions appear when it's kind of a oh well yeah we're not in a recession now even though they were going hard on it before saying people are going to be fucking dying and starving but I mean it's all perspective people people kind of took sight of what was happening around them more they would see that well there's not many like where I live for example there's not many homeless people or you don't see them on the street you used to Maybe about two years ago. There used to be quite a few. Maybe like three or four or something. <laughs> but not so much anymore. So it doesn't quite add up with the story that's been told. The story that we're they were telling was suggesting that so many people would be would be in that position that would that they would be homeless but that should be like if anything it should be visible you should be able to observe it somewhere but I know from from what I've seen going on around me that people are not that the story can't be true because I see more people having work done on their houses having renovations done I see more people doing that now than two, three years ago it doesn't make sense in terms of the the mainstream story Yeah, if you're just sitting in front of your TV and that's all that you're observing, 
you've got no reason not to believe it. If you just go for a walk outside for a few minutes, you'll see houses been sold. Like houses been sold very quickly, so it isn't like everything's ground to a halt. It isn't like everyone's trying to sell their house in order to liquidate and that they're remaining unsold. It's not the case at all. I think if anything, there's probably, there's probably a backlog of people wanting to move, but there's just not being enough, enough properties on the market. So, reason why I was talking about this reset again, I've mentioned it a few times now, but I saw somebody promoting a video yesterday from a, I'm not sure if he's a pastor or just like a Bible study person, Gene, Dr. Gene Kim. I saw some of his videos a few years back and the way he presented things I found it quite interesting the way he could speak through um, or rather speak about certain topics in scripture and relate them I found that was quite, quite interesting too Yes, his channel or his video was this particular video has been promoted on a platform that's typically I don't know it's weird you normally see a lot of kind of out there things on it and they're all very obvious like clickbait type stuff but this was his video on the great reset and he was relating to the events and the things that was being said to uh, scripture so it's quite interesting to see to see his take on it in terms of like in terms of who or what was who or what was involved And it's not so much of a... He wasn't taking it into like a conspiratorial type territory. He was just telling it as it is from what these people had said. Um, and relating it in that way. So it's more of a verbatim account of this is what this person says and this is how it could relate to scripture and so it was quite quite interested in that respect that that he did that so it gives you a different perspective as opposed to just one or the other
because that's what you may you may get right you might just get one perspective of it or another perspective you don't get any kind of commentary or discussion of the two Yeah, I find the way that the way that he speaks about basically any of the scriptures is more um, he's taking it and, and explaining it in a in a way that most people can understand. So he's providing kind of a maybe a condensed perspective, which is more. more the things that people may not see immediately when they read something but then um, yeah I mean obviously he's he's Christian so he believes that the things that are written are are an account or a description of literal literal events, which is kind of where I I kind of stop. So I think what the what it describes is attributes of people or characters roles that are fulfilled kind of throughout time throughout periods generations and the way in which you determine the character of the role is expressed in some way through that person name looks the way they act probably the way they act is going to be more more relevant because other people will see that And when they describe somebody that is, you know, Satan, the devil, it's basically just somebody that is grounded materialistically, that they are not that they're heavy. And that's what material is, that's what matter is, it's heavy. So when they say to be light, it means to be not so much in matter, not so engrossed by it. So yeah, that's kind of my interpretation of it and that's what there's other things that I've uh, that I've found in reading and studying them in the past that it's uh, 
there are events that have been happening for I guess you could say forever because you, I can't you know there's no way you could find the beginning of a the beginning of a pattern like the passage of the sun throughout the year and that's been written into some of the stories in the Bible so well that's expressed in a way that is it's a person that's embodied that a person has embodied the sun or the person is the embodiment of the sun and the movement of the person reflects the movement of the sun throughout the year so you could say I mean you could still argue well that's that could still be literal could still be a literal person but you could also say that maybe that's just how people learned about these types of things well that's just how knowledge was preserved through generations so I mean how are things being preserved today like are the new things being presented about the way things work the way things are in nature are they being presented in a way that is understandable by people and could be maintained and passed through generations I don't really know if anything I mean even if you look at educational material in schools what is it that they're going to maintain and, and pass on like just about the fundamentals of how things how things work because there isn't any there's no definitive source of that information and there never should be because there'll just be different expressions of it so so yeah that, that's kind of telling that You've got this information that was that has persisted in some form for hundreds of thousands of years. It's hundreds or thousands of years. And what have you got even from the last century, the last hundred years that's persisted that is used as something that is teaching kids or people about the nature of things I mean I think it literally is only these these scriptures these religious texts but like I said they've they've persisted for hundreds of years at least they have also been changed they'll also only be 
interpreted in one way a literal way so whilst you got all this talk about the Great Reset and all these wealthy people being proponents of it the figureheads they could have either just received a large amount of money to promote it like anything like any product or service or it's something that they all share some, it's some belief it's a belief that they share ideas that they show, you know but what do they like what is it that they're actually saying is going to happen what is it that they're trying to warn people of because it's kind of twofold right they're warning you about something that something is going to change things are going to change and they're giving you the solution they're giving you the the thing that you should accept in place or the thing that you should accept because of that problem that the kind of indicating is going to happen but they're not actually telling you what it is could be because they don't know what it is but they just know kind of generally speaking that something is to be expected but I mean you could just go back through history and look at the movements of certain certain objects, certain things certain events that have happened before, after, enduring and there might be some kind of pattern to it because that's the only way that that's the only way that people can have knowledge of things like that, like something is to be expected like some kind of event or change is to be expected due to something. Now, I mean, you could probably already tell that things have changed. That things are changing. But you might not know why. It may just be, that's what that person is doing, that's what that person is doing, that's what that company is doing. But it, because it's such a general and broad kind of event or situation that's persistently moving in one direction that you have to kind of ask like what is driving it it's got to be a general cause right so I mean look at all the things that have been brought out into kind of into the mainstream all this talk about AI and all this use of 
one particular piece of software a piece of software that can answer a question that can provide any kind of written response that you want can tell you about a poem or can write you a poem can do all sorts right so when people see that it's a it's a brand new thing they may have never seen or heard about anything like that before it's a technological advancement And when it goes, let's say when it goes mainstream, when it's adopted by companies and it's used in some way. I mean, let's say a typical purpose for something like that would be a live chatbot on your website. So you don't have to have live agents logged in constantly answering the same questions or performing the same the same things, upgrading, downgrading, cancelling accounts, you know. You have a bot that is kind of an intermediary, a, an agent, an artificial agent that has all the information that your agent, your live agents would typically have access to. Only the functions in, you know, performing those tasks, filling out certain forms, changing aspects of an account are done automatically by this bot now but then once you get once you go down that alley you might have saved a little bit of money by firing all your live agents but now you're going to run into all sorts of problems with glitches or people figuring out how to hack it how to talk to the thing in a way that it does things to other accounts that it shouldn't do because when you're dealing with artificial intelligence it's got all the stuff that you wanted it to know which is all the knowledge all the database all the knowledge documents that you feed into it and you give it tell it to do a certain thing in response it's not really artificial it's human intelligence programmed into a piece of software but to people it's brand new so when you see things like this when you see smartphones tablets when you saw the iPhone for the first time that was a technological advancement nobody had ever seen anything like that before And some of these things are like repeated. They're created years in advance and then they don't take off, they flop. And then a few years later or 10 years later, they recreate the thing. Like if you think about tablets, tablet devices, tablet devices, they, um, they created them in the early 2000s. Only they, they didn't really take off. So they, they, they kind of just fell by the wayside. And then it was probably like another 10 years later before they recreated it and then it became a success. Why is that? Because people weren't ready to accept it. It wasn't the right time. 
I think what it means is the generation that were going to accept it weren't old enough to accept it yet. Because as the older generation seeing it, it's like, why would I need that? Why would I need a tablet when I've got a laptop? Or I've got a desktop. And that's what they've that's what they've kind of grown grown up with. So it's it's almost like you create a product and then you have to convince those people that they need it in some way. Which is I think is very difficult. Because the need ha- the need should be very apparent. So what happened after 10 years then they became a massive success you got the iPad you got all the all the smaller tablets as well like the Samsung the Note the it's a Galaxy Pad or something um, and the Amazon the Kindles the the Fires But they only really took off because of all the video streaming services that were becoming available. So you had the Amazon Prime video streaming service. You had Apple, which already had iTunes, so they already had a library of media for people to purchase. And so if you look at the generations that are now using tablets they're the ones that were kind of the early adopters they're the ones that gave the the reason and the need to the other generations to have one video streaming media something you don't need to carry a laptop around So it's all about timing. I mean, I remember when those things were being used in schools, the tablets, the old ones. Very heavy. It was literally just like the old Microsoft. Was it 95 or 2000 or something? It just didn't look... It didn't look like anything... didn't look anything like it does now so it's um, yeah it's all about timing and these people know know when the timing is for the most part <laughs> that's why they're talking about it now they're talking about things are going to change now Or rather, not things are going to change now. Things are going to change by, I think it's 2030. That's when all these, you know, you're not going to own anything. But feeding into, feeding into those uh, stories are, 
other stories that people are peddling cataclysmic stories apocalyptic stories which kind of lend into the religious and bible scriptures people quote revelations as being an apocalyptic event but all it really means is a revealing and if you look at look at things that have happened over the last three years it's revealed a lot of things a lot of, a lot of um, things that were perhaps hidden before because people were ignorant people didn't want to know they didn't want to know about things that could potentially harm them that some people do bad things or some people are going to convince you to do bad things so people weren't ready to accept those things at that time but now things have moved on and people seem to be more aware of the types of people that are leading countries or that are telling people what to do they seem to be more aware that maybe they're not so not so good and that kind of lends into this idea of the great reset because a lot of the people that that got involved in it are the people that are being outed as not being very as not being good people a lot of scandals a lot of things being revealed and I think there's a lot of delusion in that people make these plans and push out these ideas not realising that they're being it's an illusion they're delusional they're trying to maintain a sort of grip over people and they do that through through the resources they've got access to money but I think even that is proving to be not of any great use or power anymore but these people still think it is so whilst they might know something is coming they don't ultimately know that they're kind of being played as well that it isn't so uh, it isn't so cut and dry it's not uh, it's not a given that what they want is what they get but anyway that's uh, 
I guess that's kind of it. That is. That is kind of what it's about. It's about a bunch of ideas that are being pushed at a time when things are being revealed. So you could say it's the wrong time. And that's the what that's why people reacted in the way they did. Now if they announced those things much earlier, even like a year before, it may have been different. But maybe maybe that's where the disillusionment comes in. That they felt that what happened three years ago was a perfect opportunity to uh, pull the world over people's eyes again. Not realising that for many people the world had been well and truly removed. And that people could see who those people were and what they were doing. So you got this... Uh, Everything's going to be subjected to balance. So if somebody wants total control over over most people, it's never going to happen. It's never going to persist. Which is why you're going to have revelation. You're going to have things revealed in order to in order to show people like, hey, these these people are not who they say they are. Or here's the scandal that they were involved in. Here's the kind of things that they do. It's to reveal to people that there is a deception. And so enough people see it in order to rebalance things. So there's never going to be one side over another. <laughs>